Hello and welcome to NCEA Podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA, and it is wonderful to be with you all today. I'm very excited to have two authors of the great new book published by NCA called Play Like a Champion. We're going to be talking about uh, sports and the ministry of sports and, and how faith plays a vital role in how we should be approaching the athletic lives of our students and of ourselves. And so I'm very, very excited about this conversation. And I want to introduce Kristen Sheehan and Peter Piscatello, and I'm going to let them both give a little bit of background on themselves, and then we're going to dive into the book. So Kristen, why don't you start? Thanks, Kevin, for having us. We're really excited to be part of this podcast and thrilled to have the opportunity to be working in tandem in partnership with the NCEA on producing this book. Um, I'm Kristen Sheehan, and I am the program director for the Play Like a Champion Today educational series. I manage partner relationships, and I uh, create new curriculum for our partners, and I've had the opportunity to be with Play Like a Champion from the beginning, which was 2006, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift, and it's a beautiful journey to work with youth and high school sport partners across the country. Great, thanks. And Peter. Yeah, thrilled to be here. My name is Pete Piscatello. I'm the manager of outreach and operation support for Play Like a Champion today and have been full-time with Play Like a Champion for three years. Before that, uh, I worked uh, and actually ran youth sports for the, the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. Uh, so, so some experience in CYO there and going back a little ways before that, worked in college athletics. So I, I've had the blessing of working in a number of different levels of athletics, but I was a partner for a long time uh, from the youth level with Play Like a Champion and jumped at the chance to join full time and, and have the opportunity now to work with uh, with our partners all across the country and really kind of see the blessing that, that youth sports is in, in communities across the country, uh, even, you know, in times uh, like like we're in right now. Um, so it's a, a thrill to be a part of uh a part of it and a part of this podcast. Thanks to you both. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And first, just to compliment you both, um, talking before we came on, it's just a great book I, and so well-researched, great documents, uh, Vatican documents, church documents, um, kind of supporting a lot of what you're advocating for in the book. And then I also just want to advocate the number of resources you have. I think there are more resources probably than your written book. And just as far as um, great tools and things for educators and for coaches and for athletic directors and administrators to utilize. So just great job and congratulations on getting it done. My first question just starts out with your, your premise. You're talking about the Vatican and you quote really two popes primarily, but Pope John Paul II and, and Pope Francis, and in terms of their, I think, personal passion for sports and personal passion for athletics and being active, and then use that as kind of a frame to start this conversation. So just want to get a little bit of background on how you came to that idea and the motivation for using that to write the book. Well, I'll take a, a spin at that, Kevin. <laughs> uh, we um, were thrilled to see that in June of 2018, the Vatican's Dicastery for Laity, Family, and Life released a document. It was called Giving the Best of Yourself, a Document on the Christian Perspective on Sport and the Human Person. Now, this is believed to be the first document dedicated entirely to sports released by the Vatican, and it really recognizes the incredibly deep connection between Christianity and sport, while emphasizing the impact of sport in our world today, 
for the good, but also some of the challenges that sport sometimes brings forth out of humans. And so we love this document so much, we created an opportunity for our partners to gather to discuss the document in further detail. And we hosted a symposium on the document in March of 2019. Uh, so, you know, just a little bit over a year ago. And um, from that uh, symposium, we created a pastoral action plan that would enable our Catholic Church to live the vision of sport that the Vatican was laying out in their document. And that was a, it was really, a, um, like we'd like to call it an action plan because it, it gives our church-sponsored sport organizations a path to ensure that sports do the best for children, enable them to give the best of themselves. And um, then the NCEA said, you know, we'd be interested in, in taking this the next step, and would you be interested in writing a book? We said that would work perfectly. It was the next progression in really taking this document and providing our local, or excuse me, our, our American church with a path to uh, do sports well. That's terrific. Um, Peter, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but what I'll, I'll, I'll ask maybe... Um, uh, a little bit of a follow-up, but but maybe also a shift in direction is is I think that's a great vision that that Kristen laid out and um, and the path that it took and um, there is kind of an ideal um, about how we want to see sports um, you know played and participate in and coached, but we do have some challenges in our country and you talk about those about uh, the screen time that that kids are involved with. I wrote down a statistic that you had in the book that was amazing that less than fifty percent of youth are hitting their weekly targets for activities um, that are laid out by the U.S. Department of Health, and less than 5% of kids are getting their daily, which I think is 60 minutes. Um, so we have challenges out there. How do we deal with those challenges, uh, Peter, with, uh, with athletics in the, in the world that we're existing in today? Yeah, I think there's a number of challenges. And to some extent in our society, it's we're on different extremes, right? So there's, you mentioned some of the statistics where uh, we know we have a problem with kids not being active. Um, some of the other statistics we share with our coaches in some of our clinics that we do uh, talk about the lack of, of physical education, right? That's one of the things that's been cut from a lot of our schools across the country. So even during the school day, uh, you know, in a lot of places, unfortunately, uh, kids don't get that time uh, and they're not going to get at home. So on the one side, we've got kids who who don't have the opportunity to participate. And then somehow when you get into sports, We've taken sports in this whole other direction um, that maybe isn't healthy in a number of ways as well or not what it used to be. Uh, and maybe we can get into that as well. But I think when you talk about overcoming the challenges, one of the big things that we're a proponent of both in the book and, and in the work we do on a day-to-day -day basis with Play Like a Champion is really about educating and educating coaches and educating parents, um, you know, who we believe are really the drivers in, in terms of providing that. So talking to parents about, you know, hey, making sure your kids need to be outside this much um, and how do you do that and what do you do? Um, you know, what does that mean? Right. Uh, and then and then with coaches, sort of what does it look like? How do you, you know, understanding even as a coach that when kids come to practice, 
uh, it's not like they've been doing anything outside of practice, uh, even when they when they join a team. So how do you manage that as a coach? How do you really advocate for play? And we talk a lot about that in the book, this idea of play, both a theology of play, but then play just being active. Uh, and what does that mean? And, and how do we get beyond sort of the traditional look of X's and O's to make sure that, um, you know, this uh, term that uh, physical literacy is something that's kind of a buzzword today uh, in terms of kids having a certain level of activity and, and, and physical literacy is, is really important. So I think uh, overcoming sort of those dual challenges of, of getting kids active and, and then also once they're active, knowing how to do that the right way is really in some ways what we're all about. And I think that that probably comes through a little bit in the book. Yes, it does. It's great. And we're definitely going to talk about coaches and we're going to talk about parents um, in a little bit. Another challenge really is the fact that uh, cost has become such a, a huge barrier in some in some communities where you've got club sports, which can be, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year to participate. And really that um, that natural ability just to go play. The other thing I've seen even with my own kids, and, and I played sports in high school, and I played a variety of different sports. I played basketball and football and baseball, and you kind of went from season to season, and now there seems almost like a specialty track with kids, um, you know, where they, if they're going to play soccer, they're going to play nothing but soccer. And, and so how do we deal with that kind of shifting, um, I don't know, focus from parents, um, and not just parents, students as well? Right, Kevin, we call that the pay-to-play culture, and we see this as really a, a, a real challenge. You were talking about some of the challenges that exist. Um, since the 80s, or really into the 1990s, we saw a, a proliferation of travel teams and uh, became a specialization culture where kids were encouraged to specialize at early and earlier ages. Um, and there's, there's a couple challenges with specialization over the years we found. Uh, researchers have found that um, putting kids into more hours of practice at younger ages really doesn't lead to increased ability um, at a later age. Um, what actually the researchers have found is that it leads often to increased injuries and it leads to increased burnout of kids because young minds aren't ready for that intensive training over and over and the same type of training, same type of sport over and over. Um, as you pointed out, uh, you know we uh, we participated us as as parents now participated in a number of sports, and that's really um, sports sampling is what play like a champion encourages and um, seeks to educate our families on the goodness of that. Because when kids play a variety of sports, their body uses different muscles in different sports, their minds work differently in different sports, and they grow socially from different sports because the way you interact with your teammates on the basketball court would be very different the way you would interact with a teammate, say, um, in the swimming pool or on the golf course or the tennis court. Um, and so it's good for young minds to have that variety physically, emotionally, and socially uh, to increase their whole development. It's also much better for their bodies um, so that they don't get burned out uh, in their different muscle groups. In fact, uh, the number of overuse injuries in youth sport, half of youth sport um, injuries every year are accounted for by overuse. And um, I think that that's really um, 
you know, a, a challenge and something that we can absolutely change in our culture by educating families that it isn't necessary, um, the specialization. The other thing is this pay-to-play culture, and that is um, many leagues have become about paying a large amount of money and traveling maybe hours away from your home community. Um, and we, we've seen that kids really don't need that culture. Um, and one of the big really social problems with that is it leaves out an entire segment of our population. Um, so kids from low-income families um, are participating at a much lower rate. Um, in fact, um, uh, that children from families earning less than $25,000 participate in sports at half the rate of families who earn $100,000 or more. And as a Catholic church, uh, we deeply care about all children and believe that every child should have an opportunity to play on a sport team. And that's what our Catholic-sponsored sports can provide um, because we have this rich Catholic-sponsored sport tradition that is low-cost and effective and also encourages character and faith uh, through the experience. And so we believe that, especially in today's day with the COVID-19 world, that our Catholic-sponsored sports will provide a resource that will be so needed and so helpful, not just for the children who can afford it, but for every child. Yeah, and, and Kristen, I would piggyback on that as, as well, Kevin. You know, I think the uh, one of the things, maybe this is uniquely American, I'm, I'm sure it's probably the case all over the world, but the idea that we, we aren't just content to have our children participate in sports and just enjoy it, right? If we're going to do it, they have to be the best. And so I think that's where the specialization piece comes in, um, you know, on a couple different levels. I think it also leads to the pay to play where it's not just about when we grew up and, and I agree, we played all kinds of different sports. You went from season to season and some sports you were probably really good at and some sports, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, but it seems like it's become a race now to identify what sport is a child the best at, and then how do we make them the best? And kind of the fallacy in that is, as Kristen mentioned, uh, that, that all the studies show that long-term it, it doesn't really benefit you. Short-term, sometimes it does, right? So if you practice a whole bunch as an eight-year-old at something, you might be one of the better eight-year-olds at that sport. Now, by the time you're 16, other people will have caught up, but we become short-sighted and we look at you know, just how do we be the best? And well, if my child's really good at soccer, well, let's drop out of basketball and focus on this. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that I've noted that college coaches uh, have really uh, done maybe in a unique way the last couple of years is they really want to look at, uh, as they're recruiting the highest level athletes, who has played a sport they are not good at? Uh, and what has that taught them? And what have they learned from that? And I think that's kind of an interesting thing uh, to see that from the top down, there's this recognition that, hey, it's it's okay to play things and learn from things that you're not the best at. Uh, and I think that's kind of an interesting anecdote there. That's very interesting, Peter, and it uh, allows me to do a pretty good segue to the, to the section on coaching. And you have a chapter called Coaching as Ministry. And, um, and the segue, I understand the way you just described it about a you know, college coach may be seeking out an athlete who's, ha who's had some level of struggle is um, teachers in the classroom will often say, you know, kids learn more from failure than they do from success. And so if a child struggles with a concept and has to work harder and then overcome and then learn the concept, they, they're stronger um, than, um, than, they, uh, than they were, you know, uh, if they had just breezed through. And so 
I don't know, uh, Peter, if you want to kind of take that about about coaching in terms of ministry and in terms of uh, being a capital E educator as well, right? You're educating these students. Obviously, you're trying to coach them, but educate them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to some extent, we, we get caught up in the wins and losses, right? So coaching becomes less about educating, more about uh, what's the result. And, and that's certainly something that we see as we consult and work with coaches across the country that becomes very difficult because if you're just worried about the result, uh, you, you're going to put kids in a situation where it, it feeds that result. And sometimes that's not the best thing for development, right? As we talk about in the book, sometimes the best thing for development, as you mentioned, is failure. And not only learning to fail, but learning how you learn from that failure uh, on, on the field or on the court. So. Um, how do you get better at dribbling a basketball? Well, you practice dribbling for a long time uh, and you mess up a bunch, right? You kick the ball off your foot you know, 20 different times, but by the time you actually get it and the light bulb sort of goes off in your head, um, you, know, you might have something there. And so the, I think the best coaches are, are patient and really focus on the development of, of long-term athletes um, and not even, you know, just sort of, long-term elite athletes, but how do you develop lifelong skills? Uh, that's where we get into coaches who are worried about things like virtue, right? Uh, and we talk about the cardinal virtues and we do a lot of our, our work and, and that comes through in the book as well. Uh, but how do we build those things, right? How do you build fortitude by failing a whole lot? When you really look at sports, uh, you know, the old adage in baseball, and I'm a big baseball fan, the best hitters in baseball, Hall of Fame hitters in baseball, some of the best to ever play, fail seven times out of 10. And in many ways, that's sports. Even the best coaches, athletes, officials, everybody's gonna fail repeatedly. So how do we build virtue and how do we build this culture of, you know, let's figure it out and, and let's figure it out as a team and let's figure it out on the court as we go along. Uh, and then, yeah, we can have long-term success, but I, I, I do think the best teams and best athletes are those that are perfectly comfortable with that idea uh, and then strive for excellence as they go beyond that. That's great, Peter. Thanks. Um, and, and obviously a big piece of that for coaches is a partnership with parents. And how do they partner with, um, with parents? And you do have a whole uh, chapter on sports parents. And, and you, um, I say this, uh, you, you paint a very positive picture of that ideal parent. But we all, uh, and you also do address some of those challenges we have about putting pressure on kids and maybe screaming at the refs and those types of things we have to struggle with sometimes. And so, um, Krista, maybe talk a little bit about sports parents. I do like the way you frame it about that ideal and the and one of the resources you have are the Ten Commandments. And then you have also what parents could be saying to kids on the way to uh, competition and on the way back from competition. So talk about the importance of parents yeah, thanks, Kevin. Parents do create the environment that is set by their attendance, by the way they cheer, by the way they interact with their child, by the way they treat the other kids um, on the team, by the way they treat the coach. And you know, the parent workshop, when I started with Play Like a Champion, I had three children in elementary school. And so over the last 15 years, my kids have grown and participated in a number of sports. And so whenever I would go to their sporting events, you know, I would notice what was going on around me um, with the parents. And one of the things I noticed is that parents get very involved. 
And, you know, sports are emotional, Kevin, right? I mean, they have highs and lows and parents want to see their kids succeed. Of course, they want their kids to have an experience that is fun and enjoyable and successful. And of course, they want to see their kids win. And so with that kind of emotional appeal, sometimes they can forget uh, the proper way to behave. And so for the parent workshop, we, we remind parents, first of all, that it's their child's play, that it's a children's game. Even at the high school level, the game belongs to the kids. And so in some ways, they can start to live vicariously through their kids. And that's that's natural for them to have that happen, but it's really misplaced. And so we raise parents' awareness of when they're making it more about themselves than about their children. Um, in fact, we use the um, concept that parents are guests at their children's games. And how do they conduct themselves as uh, gracious and helpful and positive guests? And so that leads to our guidelines for sidelines and talking about, you know, cheer for good plays by both teams. Acknowledge that um, these are all children and that we should want every child, even the other team's children and players, to succeed um, and to learn and grow. Um, we uh, help parents to understand that they shouldn't be yelling at uh, the kids coaching from the sidelines. They shouldn't be talking to the referees um, because that's the coach's job. Uh, the parent's job is to be positive, to cheer for all of the children on the team, not just their child. In fact, one of the things that comes from the research of our parent workshop is that parents recognize that there are other children on the team other than their own child and that they should care about all of those children. Um, we also take on this idea of the of the ride home, you know, and that parents um, often, when we do our workshops with athletes, they'll say, can you tell my dad to stop talking to me on the way home? Because all he does is tell me what I did wrong and what I should have done. And so we encourage parents to employ um, uh, owner, to give ownership to their athletes and just simply ask them an open-ended question like, how do you think the game went? Do you want to talk about it? And let the kids talk through the process uh, rather than the parents giving a lecture. Um, in some cases, too, we, we remind parents that maybe it's just time to just be quiet or to wait until their kids are ready to talk about it. Better yet, um, we encourage parents just to maybe say a prayer of thanksgiving um, on the way to and from the game. You know, thank God for the opportunity that they get to participate in a game, that they get to be part of a team, that they have legs that enable them to run, that they have hands that enable them to throw. Um, so, you know, we try to put the emphasis on being grateful for the experience. And oh, the other thing we love to tell parents to say to their kids on the way home is, hey, I loved watching you play. Uh, just a reminder that, you know, you you're out there playing and developing and growing. And that's what this is all about. And I loved watching it. I love the, the concept of the game belongs to the kids. I think that's a great way to, to frame it. And, um, and it's great that you do that in your, in your training. There's a lot about parents, but let's just transition because maybe we can do this because um, I love the three-legged stool concept of play like a champion. And, and those uh, three legs are culture, organization, and funding, which, um, which you can talk about. But the, the connection to what uh, Kristen was just talking about in my mind is the seat of kinship. You talk about the seat of the stool being kinship. And you quote one of, one of my heroes, someone I love, is Father Greg Boyle. And this idea of mutuality of relationships and recognizing that we're all in relationship with one another. And 
that was really striking me, Kristen, when you were talking about um, parents who should be, you know, rooting for the other team's kids as well because they're trying just as hard. And so, um, Peter, I don't know if you want to start off with this, but the three-legged stool idea, the concept that helps to drive what uh, Play Like a Champion is trying to do and culture, organization, and funding, and then that seed of kinship. Yeah, and, and Kevin, I think one of the things we found throughout all the years, and, and this should be sort of self-explanatory in sports, is that it's all about community. And certainly our church is, is all about that as well. And I mean, it's no more apparent now than uh, when we're all socially distanced from each other as a result of the coronavirus. And, and many of the things uh, within our parishes, and certainly here as we talk about sports, that we miss are being a part of that community. And, and one of the things I think that's, that can be unfortunate about sports in our current culture is that uh, we get wrapped up in the competition and we think that's sort of exclusive from this idea of community and kinship uh, and, and culture. And, and it's not, right? Uh, we can, as we go through the ages and look at, at the evolution of, of competition and play and all of this, it's meant to be done together and to really grow together, right? Uh, Kristen talked about you know, the idea of, of cheering for good play from all the kids, that doesn't mean that you don't want your own kid to succeed, right? Uh, it's that you're looking for the common good and you're looking for, you know, all the kids who are participating to grow and develop and to become, um, you know, really the, the, the vision, uh, the, the person that God has created them to be. And so uh, that's something that we are, are deeply passionate about is, is this idea of, of kinship uh, and really walking with each other. And that, when you, when you talk about kinship, is, is what it's all about. It's, it's walking together uh, and, um, and understanding each other. And that you know, really goes through a lot of what we're talking about when you talk about what's wrong with the pay-to-play to -play model uh, that Kristen talked about, is that we're leaving kids out. Uh, when we talk about culture in that three-legged stool, so much of that is it needs to be inclusive of all children, right? We're creating sports and opportunity and, and the opportunity to grow and develop for all children. Um, that's huge. Talk about organization. How do we create best practices for all the organizations across the uh, um, um, country uh, and, and throughout the church? And then, of course, funding is, you know, that could be a whole different conversation, but certainly something we all have to be aware of in, in today's day and age right now with what's going on. You know, how do we provide that for all children and make sure that, that they're able to participate uh, if they want to? So I think that's really at the core of what we do. And, and whether it's you know a massive sporting event with 100,000 people together, that kind of community that people are missing right now, or whether it's the youth soccer game on the weekend where there's you know 10 parents on the sideline and some kids on the field, that type of, of experience is really what's at the, at the core of what sports is about. And, and so we need to make sure we are cultivating that and, and doing it the right way when we talk about uh, youth sports. That's great. Thanks, Peter. And, um, you know, one thing you commented on made me think of a, a coach who uh, coached one of my sons when he was in AYSO as a young child. And um, it's that balance between if you're going to be, um, you know, complimentary to the other kids' players, you still want to win the game. And uh, this coach was just incredible because he was very competitive and wanted to win. But if the other team scored, he would praise the kid and, and say, great job, number 10, great goal. And it was just that great balance of, of wanting to compete and wanting to win because that's part of why we play sports. But recognizing that, that it's also very, very important, especially when you're dealing with young kids and kids who are still being formed. And those would be high school kids as well, uh, as you've both commented on. Um, it's, it's important to recognize their accomplishments as well.
And one thing I would add to that, I think is, is really cool when you look at sports, one of the things you need to have a great sports experience is your opponent, right? So we hit, we think competition is this idea that, that we are at odds with the other team or the other player, but really we need them just as much as, as we need ourselves. We can't grow in competition or in, in, in sports without having a worthy opponent. Uh, when you think about it that way, that kind of puts a different spin on it. That's great. The last um, kind of area I just wanted to uh, talk with both of you about a little bit is you talk about the challenge in our church today, which is not obviously specifically about athletics, but we have a disengagement of youth. There's been a lot of research done and, and the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, uh, people leaving the faith and, and especially young people being kind of disengaged. And you talk a little bit about athletics and sports and having, you know, coaching as ministry and, and connecting in our Catholic schools and our Catholic youth leagues to, uh, to help bring people and bring young people not only to athletic success, but to, to our faith. Um, and so talk a little bit about that and how athletics can be that formation for, for young people in the faith. You know, we know that not all families and young people are in the pews on Sunday. And yet they're playing sports. You know, the families are gathering. The children are on our basketball courts. They're on our soccer fields. And um, so how do we bring faith into the athletic arena? And that's what our book seeks to address. And our plan, our play like a champion philosophy encourages is to make athletics ministerial, um, bring Christ onto our fields. Um, as coaches, introduce prayer and service opportunities with your team so that Christ is um, in the midst of the, of the athletes and is present in that environment um, in every sporting event. Um, the other thing that you know, I was going to address, because we just talked about the three-legged stool, and Kevin, you said you like Father Greg Boyle, uh, our inspiration for kinship and our campaign, A Team for Every Child, comes from Father Greg. And uh, what he says is we need to go to the margins as Christians. You know, it's not enough just to offer experiences to the children in our schools, but we should go to the margins and welcome in all kinds of kids. And the really wonderful way to welcome them would be on a sports team. You know, almost all kids love that chance to play. And so open our doors so that more children can join us. Um, the Vatican document takes us on as well. Um, they talk about sport as um, an opportunity to create a culture of encounter, of peace, of inclusion, and of mercy. Um, so it's an opportunity for us to reach to the margins and have more kids experience God's presence through the joy of athletics. Um, so I think uh, that's something that we can look, we challenged our sport partners and our church to do, especially with our current crisis of COVID-19. We know that in the last recession of 2008, uh, we lost a large number of kids playing sports. The number of families who had kids playing sports prior to 2008 was 46%. And after that recession, that number went down to 38% of families who had kids participating in sports uh, because families did not have as much income to support uh, their kids' athletics. And so when we come through this crisis, we see a, an opportunity to provide low-cost, high-quality, caring, faith-based athletics for 
all children um, to get more kids playing and introduce them to Christ and really evangelize through the athletic environment. That's beautiful. That's uh, that's great. And um, probably a great note to, to end on. Um, uh, Kristen and Peter, thank you so much uh, for, first of all, your work in putting the book together and writing the book. Um, I do uh, want to advocate. It's a great resource, especially even for principals and for teachers who just want to you know, understand more about how uh, engagement in athletics and engagement in, in an active life can be uh, can be so beneficial for children, and also the challenges um, that we have to think about as educators and around coaching and parents and our attitudes toward that, and how we're seeing the the youth who are in our care um, as the you know they're being formed, and we want to make sure that we form them um, appropriately, um, both in sports and in life and uh, in their faith. So. Thanks to both of you again, and, uh, and this is Kevin Baxter, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of NCEA Podcast. Thank you.